Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Offload Delay podcast, a very special show today. Very excited to have uh, some extremely powerful, knowledgeable, feisty advocates here for the long-term care situation that's happening in our province here in Ontario and all over Canada, to be honest. In particular, we have Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos. Unbelievable that I'm privileged enough to have this uh, powerhouse of a guest join us with the panel of ladies who support her and her work. Now, Dr. Viv, for anybody that doesn't know, is a professor at the Ontario Tech Social Science and Humanities School. She's also a long-term advocate and uh, long-term care advocate and researcher. She's a co-founder of Canadians for Long-Term Care uh, program. And let me tell you, I don't know how she managed to squeeze in this interview. I've been told she's in the several hundreds of interviews now with all the major media outlets across across Canada, to be honest. Uh, When you turn on your TV, you're likely going to see Dr. Viv award-winning uh, advocate. I'm going to bring her on right now. Uh, super, super pleased to bring on Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos. Welcome, Dr. Viv. You're Thank you so sweet. much for joining. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Absolutely incredible, the work that you've been doing. I want to let everybody know that you were named in 2021 to Chatelaine's uh, prestigious Doris Anderson award-winning group. You were uh, one of their, what was formerly known as Woman of the Year. And now it's the Doris Anderson uh, Award, and you're a winner with them. Uh, They posted this lovely picture of you. They wrote a brilliant article. I encourage everybody that uh, has not checked out the article to have a read and figure out exactly how amazing Dr. Viv has been in the last few years, particularly. Uh, But let's say, honestly, since COVID's hit, that's really triggered the fire in your belly. Um, I know that you have a passion for long-term care. It's not a secret to anybody. Your passion was developed during your PhD work, correct? In sociology at York University. And then finally, you had a family member enter the long-term care uh, institution facility. And then you were able to see inside the system close up. And that really triggered your passion. Can you just give us a brief, brief intro to what's driving you most right now and what's going on in your world? Uh, I mean, I think it's one of those things, right? People don't understand what's happening in long-term care, I think, until they live it. And that's why I really, you know, bond with the families. Because when you live through that that system, it kind of changes you. And, um, I, you know, I lived through it right towards the very, you know, beginning of, of COVID. Um, yeah, my grandmother passed literally the, like, 
I think your funeral was the day the first case of COVID was in uh, Toronto. So, um, you know, I, thankfully, and there's no thankfully, I got spared the the isolation, the confinement, because I, I would have lost my mind if I would have been locked out. But that's what started my advocacy, because when I realized how much I was, you know, how involved my family was um, in long-term care and just imagining being locked out yeah. was just yeah. the most upsetting. I just, I just could not wrap my head around how this was happening. And, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I think we were all just kind of like, okay, we don't know what's happening. We're all scared. You know, you waited a couple of weeks, then it turned into a month, then it turned into a couple months. And, and I think it was just like, around six weeks in where I was like, no, this is not okay. What is happening here? Like you can't exactly. just keep family out indefinitely. And, and that's when I started opening well, my we're, mouth. <laughs> we're, we're all super, super grateful to have someone of your status, someone of your background, some of your talent to be an advocate in this setting. I know my podcast, it's a first responder, but not only for first responder podcasts and a big part of my world as a medic over the last 20 ish years has been responding to long-term care facilities. And I'll be honest, the atrocities and the deficiencies and the and the horrible things that you're mentioning now that have been kind of highlighted through the COVID pandemic are things that I've struggled with my entire career. These yeah. are things that it was hard to have a voice as a lowly old paramedic walking in and out of a building, seeing the atrocities that were going on. It was frustrating to me. I didn't know who to tell. And when I did tell people, I don't think the message was being conveyed. So yeah. to have somebody like you to lead and you are, you're, you're leading this revolution right now that's going on in long-term care. Uh, we're, we're all grateful and we're, and I'm super, super thankful that you would join me today on this podcast. I know also, um, you've had hundreds of interviews, your time is precious and you've gathered a huge, huge fan base. I can tell that because I, as soon as weird hearing that. It, it, <laughs> it's weird true. Hearing that. I, I will tell you, my social media has never been so hot as soon as I put in <laughs> your handle to say that anything to do with you and it triggers instantly, oh. instant attention from hundreds and hundreds of people. But it also has triggered attention from a small, smaller cohort of advocates that are out there that are less popular, less, less, uh, how do I want to say it? Famous you're getting famous if you like it or not it's happening Um, (laughs) and these ladies have been a voice uh behind you and with you for quite some time now and actually i had one of them leanne was on my my second podcast i ever had because i was so intrigued by her drive and what was driving her in her world with long-term care and i'm going to bring these ladies on right now if that's okay with you i'm going to slowly bring in we have leanne schaefer and now we also have mj and we have last, but I'm certainly not least. We have Marine and someone's dog. That's good. This is perfect. Yeah, this is amazing. That um, so sorry. no, that's this is our world. This is what we all. I just want to welcome everyone. Welcome, uh, help me join, uh, join me in welcoming Dr. Stamatopoulos to the show. Dr. I know you know these ladies through your work. And I know that they are absolutely thrilled. I made a promise to this group, especially to through Leanne, that I would do everything I could do to get you on the show so they could A, talk to you, quote unquote, face to face, and have their comments that they had or their questions directly related to you, with with exception of we know this topic is massive. We know that this could be an entire series of podcasts daily for weeks on end, and we still wouldn't cover everything. So what I want to do is I want to kind of just have each of the ladies introduce themselves quickly and what drives them in this world. 
and why they're doing what they do. And if they have a quick question for Dr. V, we'll do that. And then I'm going to move on to kind of some things that I want to bring up. So MJ, welcome. Thank what you. brought you into the world of long-term care advocacy, MJ? What is it really that drove you? Um, thanks for having me. Um, Absolutely welcome. I, I think I even just as a young person, I had a very soft spot for elderly people. So I volunteered in long-term care and I worked with my aunt. She used to do hair in one of the homes and my grandparents would be in there and, you know, that kind of thing. So, or if you ever sell, saw an elderly person fall, it would literally crush me. Like, it's, you know, any sort of lack of dignity kind of thing. So I think I just naturally always sort of felt for anyone who is in that age group or, you know, time of life kind of thing. Yeah. I also have family in, in Chartwell. I have family okay. in Chartwell who, you know, through COVID, it's been one of the worst homes in the area they live in. Um, and I have parents who are actually in a retirement home and they entered just about a year before COVID started. And although it's a retirement home, certainly through COVID, public health regulations go right across long-term care and retirement homes. And we're dealing with the same, you know, lockouts and isolation and devastation and closing everything out for one staff outbreak, you know, one staff member, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we were starting to say, oh my gosh. And then I started to say, well, you know, my parents had it pretty good because their retirement home is quite lovely, right? But they're still actually still a profit-driven place. And we could still see shortage of staff, right. lack of, uh, you know, getting the vaccines, people educating the staff workers to get their vaccines, all that. So I could still see, you know, that it was happening. But I also know my parents need quite desperately, actually, to get into long-term care because they unknowingly ended up having to live separately. You know, finances are a thing, right? Not everybody can manage that kind of thing. We weren't expecting two suites at a retirement, whatever, all these reasons. And I know they're like number 400, 500 on the wait list to get into where they have to go. And then I'm also equally concerned about them actually getting in now because I start to see all the stories of what's there. I'm like, well, what are we sending them to? Like, we have to, but I don't want to. And Dr. Viv, um, is that rare? Is that a rare thing you're hearing these days? These 400, 500 people wait list? Is this something that's uh, normal? Oh, it's, yeah, it's normal. It, and it's just going to keep getting worse because of our aging population. And the fact that people can't afford to age at home, the mechanisms to do so safely just aren't there. Home care is an even bigger mess than, than mm -hmm. institutional care, right? Like, I mean, ask any family member that, that has entered either retirement housing or long-term care. They first tried to stay at home as long as possible. Nobody woke up and said, hey, I want to go into congregate care. Nobody ever said that. Everyone wants to age at home, but it gets to a point where you try and then you realize that system's completely shot to you know what, and, and there's never enough resources and, and the reliability, unfortunately, of, of the workforce, at, at least in my experience, you know, people would just not show up when they were supposed to, or they'd leave before they mm -hmm. were supposed to, and they wouldn't do, you know, we had things, things that were stolen from, from my grandparents' place. Like, I mean, the, the, and I hear this across the board, there's just so little oversight in home care. And then you think, really, you're told when it gets to a crisis point, you have to put your loved one in long-term care. It's never a choice. It's never a That's choice. Right. And then you, you, feel terrible because nobody wants to make that decision. And what are your options? You either, you know, you, and it's always goes to the women, the women either quit their job and suddenly, you know, become independently wealthy and can stay home and, and provide full-time healthcare that they do not have expertise to provide right. in the home setting. It yeah. just with, with apparently lifts and, and, you know, devices that cost thousands of dollars that you don't have and are supposed to somehow fund on your own. Like it just isn't tenable. And then That's you right. think you're putting them, in, you know, in a place that is equipped with with professionals who can help, and and you're told that this is the bill of goods you're sold, and then you get in, and and 
I hear this across the board. Very few times do I hear, oh, I have a great experience in long-term care. Yeah, it's gone great. I hear a few families say, yeah, I had a great time. You know, my loved one was treated very well. And, and I love hearing those stories. But unfortunately, 90% of the stories that I hear are terrible ones. And right. there's and a reason for that. It's it's so common. You're absolutely right. And we have Leanne joining us at the bottom panel. Leanne was a guest, if anyone's watched my podcast before, with my second podcast to uh, to, to explain her story. Originally, uh, sadly, Leanne was actually, her, her status has changed with us because she originally came on with zero, zero family ties to long-term care. She okay. was an outsider that was so unique that had this passion for long-term care adv advocacy, but she didn't work in it. She didn't have family in it. She had zero like direct ties and she still had that passion, which was amazing. And that triggered me to bring her on as a guest. However, that's changed in the few months since that podcast, Leanne, you now have a family member in the long-term care system. So you're even more vested than ever. Is that right, Leanne? Yeah, she's not quite in the system yet. Unfortunately, she is uh, what they call completely volatile. So she is stuck at the hospital. Uh, she's oh. been there for four months now. Um, no long-term care will take her. And uh, we're waiting for adult psych. But I have a best friend that's a nurse in adult psych, and I don't think that there's going to be beds anytime soon. So without going there, she's stuck at the hospital, and we've had five PSWs quit. And one of them happened to be one of the highest ranked in our region. They walked. Like, it's not her fault. It. And this, it this podcast, Leanne is titled offload delay and exactly what you're saying the the backlog effect of a full long-term mm -hmm. care facility is not not able to get in the wait list now these people are in hospital it's not necessarily where they need to be we tied bring patients down. in <laughs> yeah depending on their stuff right yeah we right talked now about, she's she's tied down because which, she has covid which she contracted in the hospital now let's so just now validate there might have been something else we don't know we talked about that we don't know for yeah. sure it's not just tied no, down she's, because she's, right no, she's wandering yeah. And yeah, I just didn't want to confuse anyone watching or listening. No. There was some other issues. It wasn't no. just a straight tie down from COVID. No. No. But the offload delays stem right from that. Like we bring a patient in the door. We need a bed somewhere in the hospital, whether it's an eMERGE or wherever. And it just, it's a trickle down effect. Yeah. And that story just is so common as well, Leanne. It's terrible. And it breaks my heart to hear that you're having to deal with that even more closely than you're already involved. Yeah, and we have Marie. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. We'll get back to you. Say, no. we'll get yeah, go ahead. Maureen, you definitely know Dr. Viv. You have met in the past and you are uh, one of the most driven panel members that I've yet to meet on uh, dealing with the long-term care advocates. Thank you for that. Just give us a bit of your story, Maureen, as far as what has been leading you to have so much um, strength, so much passion. Wow, you see a lot of things I don't, but uh, thank you for the introduction. And honestly, thank you for inviting me here with these amazing, amazing women. And uh, one of the things you need to know before we start is, is that we've all just experienced so much. And that um, without Twitter and without finding uh, these women and hundreds of others, um, I honestly wouldn't have survived. So... Thank you to all my long-term care sisters, and we've renamed ourselves Resisters, <laughs> Resisters, which I love. So my name is uh, Maureen McDermott, and my mom, Elsie, uh, went into long-term care 
pretty much what Viv was saying, you know, had her at home, just assumed that we would be able to get the the help and the care that we needed here because we were not putting her into long-term care. Um, found out very quickly that that's just not available in Ontario. She developed Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, I grew up with a really large family, so we really never discussed mom's care because between all of us, we would we would somehow manage it and life happened and I lost uh, all my siblings and was left alone with this diagnosis. So it was literally um, a crisis situation where she wasn't safe. I was no longer safe uh, with her here at home. I just, her needs exceeded what I could do. So I really just needed the help with those needs that I could no longer meet. That's what I assumed long-term care was about. And I just assumed that the care portion was the paramount piece as well. And boy, oh boy, um, that was a big shock when we got in there. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, putting my mother into long-term care that day was definitely worse than the day that she passed away. And Mm -hmm. uh, I can't unsee what I've seen. And I'm a human and I react and I care. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm not going anywhere until we finally get some national standards for long-term care. We get the profits out of long-term care and finally get long-term care put on the Canada Health Act where it belongs. Good. Excellent. Dr. Viv. Thank you, Maureen. Uh, It's amazing. Everybody has a story somehow related to long-term care. We're either headed there ourselves it's almost inevitable for for most of us or we have people that are living longer and longer now this isn't unexpected the the medicine has progressed and this the need for this is bigger the population is bigger it's it it just to me how did we dr viv i this is a genuine question you may or may not how do we end up with this dichotomy in ontario of a two-tiered system it's a completely you have a non-profit long-term care and most of the complaints i hear and that you've been advocating against and the patients and, and, and for with those families um, is the profit, the profit for profit care. How did this evolve? How is it so different from the rest of healthcare in the province? I mean, you know, it really boils down to us leaving it out of the Canada Health Act when, you know, we first developed it proper. And, and a large reason for that was because, you know, this was back in the day, keep in mind the 80s, you know, this was the time of stay at home moms and wives you know women didn't work the way they did now and and you know advanced capitalism came globalization fueled by women's labor we went to work and i'm glad we have that freedom to do that but we you know we lost that reserve army of unpaid reproductive laborers that did this very difficult work hidden in the household economy for free and you know back-breaking difficult work that women have been doing forever up until, you know, this very significant generational shift where we entered the paid workforce and women, you know, subsequently took on double, triple shifts trying to juggle paid work with unpaid work, be it childcare, senior care. And it's just untenable and, and women just couldn't do it. And unfortunately, over the years, and this was part of what I studied in my Ph.D., you know, I love men, but their contributions in household labor have not increased. Yeah, I'm not going to While women at all. have entered paid labor, like we have the data on this. There's tons of stats Canada data. Sure. I've included this in, in my dissertation, and um, so it, it, this is why the need for long-term care 
will continue to increase and has increased. And I think what a lot of people aren't thinking in the head, and I've tried to warn younger people about this now, we're particularly screwed to say it nicely because we have smaller households. Women aren't marrying as much and as often as they did before. Divorce is increasing. So to, to assume that we're going to have this, these large households and children to be able to take care of us is just not the case anymore. Things are changing. The demographic is changing. And, and young people are going to need long-term care probably more than any other generation mm -hmm. of older adults. And they're not thinking about this. And they really should because they are going to be harmed the most by That's this right. system if it is not changed. But unfortunately, a lot of people in this world only think five minutes ahead, an hour and ahead next week and they don't think long term and that's a lot of you know the the, the psychosocial reframing of our minds with this world that we live in now um you know short-termism so to speak people have written about this um and we're not thinking into our future and right. and it's a, it's a big problem and then we've turned into an individualist society too and that goes hand in hand with globalization right so this you know we used to take care of each other there used to be this collectivist mentality and it's increasingly you're on your own figure it out and and we're going to need long-term care more than ever before. Absolutely. And, and that's why people, I'm, I'm so <laughs> scared for people right now. And I try to keep telling people, you really need to fight this, even if you're not living it right now, because you will. Mark my words, you are not above, unless you're independently wealthy, fine. You're never going to know long-term care. You think the people in our government are ever going to know long-term care? No, they're not going to know long-term care. Doug Ford had his mom at home the whole time. His mother-in-law is in, in long-term care, but his mother wasn't, right? You, 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 wealthy people historically never use long-term care. They either pay for round-the-clock care or they have really cushy retirement housing, which costs between ten to 15000 I yeah. hear from some people. So, you know, the majority of people, right, because we're increasing the divide between the wealthy and the poor, we're, we're all getting increasingly poor, are going to need long-term care. So they really I, need to, to think about this as something that is in their near future. I didn't expect the F word to come into this so quick, Dr. V. Uh, <laughs> that F, F, the F word of Ford came in. Oh, oh. We talked Ford. But that's, uh, that's going to be part of the theme on some of the things that we're talking about. One of my, one of my biggest um, uh, um, things right now that I can't wrap my mind around is the amount, the rampant, the, the spread of these infectious diseases within these homes which is obviously on the forefront right now with the, the, the largest pandemic we've ever witnessed in, in our, in our uh, generation and beyond. But to me, there's so many things broken, but how are these institutions, these facilities, these caregiving places, how are they not the most secure? Because of all places, the patients don't move. They're there. They're stuck there, they're housed there, they're institutionalized there, they're trying to live their lives there. We're allowing, controlling each and every person coming into those buildings, so much different than any other healthcare setting. How is it so lax that the COVID issue right now, especially, is on the forefront of these facilities? I mean, this goes back. Unfortunately, you know, we can thank, you know, good old Mike Harris for having a really big role in, in privatizing out the, the case of long-term care in Ontario, right? So you know, 20 years ago, when they had to build a whole bunch of beds, he ended up giving like 70% of the bed contracts to the for-profit sector. And that's what kind of spearheaded us down this path. And then, you know, when you look historically, it's it's no coincidence that three former PC premiers then went to sit on boards of very yeah. profitable for-profit long-term care chains. And, and you, you sit there and you wonder, wow, like, is it really that simple to sell your soul? 
is it really, is, is that, is that how it is? Um, and, um, there's too many conflicts of interest. Uh, there's this whole industry is captured in my opinion. I've said this, um, I said this until the long-term care commissioners, uh, you know, that the, the interests of the lobby are what are being protected in advance right now, not the interests of the residents and the workers, because anybody that is paying attention sees that the workers are being screwed over just as much as the residents are being screwed over. Nobody wins in the long-term care sector, but really the CEOs who are making quite a lot of money alongside the shareholders. Unbelievable. Now, that leads us to something that when we were in touch before going live, when we've been in touch the last few days, you were particular, you had a particular a bone that you were picking with a particular Rod Phillips. Um, one of many bones that you've been picking with him. But you sent me uh, this tweet here. <laughs> That is, I think it's time to ring it in. Ladies, we'll, we're going to get some discussion on this for sure. You sent this out the other day that you're sitting there bewildered that Rod Phillips is trying to say that Andrew Horvath asking for N95s, which is basically the top level of care for any airborne disease that we know right now that's available to the public, mm-hmm. in long-term care uh, for long-term care staff at all times is somehow irresponsible and putting them at ri- risk to catch the virus. Are you joking? So are you telling me Rod Phillips is saying that N95s are going to worsen his 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 mindset is this will worsen things? I mean, I posted the videos. Everyone heard what he said. It was just I I, I was literally in shock just watching it going, what 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 is what is happening here? Like what we asked for in that press conference. So this is what happened in the morning. We had a press conference, myself and Andrea Horvath. And then we talked about what's happening and what are the main things that we want to see done, right? Things that I've been yelling about for a month now, over a month now. Um, Things like prioritizing boosters for the workers in particular. Obviously, the residents have been prioritized, but it's still not 100%. It's only a 90%. But we have less than half of the frontline worker population having their boosters. And we know that increases their chance of getting Omicron. And then when they get it, then they have to isolate. And this is the main concern is holy shit. We've already had staff shortages this entire time. Now we're facing something we've never faced before with this level of transmissibility. And there is no plan for what to do when these workers start getting sick on mass, which is exactly what's happening. We have over 2000 right now sick at home. Well predicted, well predicted. Um, you all saw, I was screaming about this for a month now and saying, get the N95s in there, you know, get rats. We need, you know, rapid antigen testing of all workers every single day. They were only really rapid testing uh, visitors that were coming in the caregivers, but they weren't, they were only testing, you know, staff maybe a couple times a week. And, and so we're sitting here going, oh my God, we see this, we, we see it happening. It's going to get very bad very quickly based on what's happening in other countries. And it felt like nobody was listening. It felt like the entire PC party was on Christmas break, the entire month of December. That's what it felt like. I couldn't, I couldn't get any traction with anyone. And and then everything, as predicted, came to unfold. And, and now we're in this mess again, and we are starting to see deaths. You know, it's one thing when the residents aren't dying, but now we've had 10 deaths yeah. over the last week. And, 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 you know, we're not getting information on whether those are the residents who hadn't received their boosters yet, because there's, you know, almost 8,000 that hadn't received their boosters yet to date, which is a huge problem. Um, and we know that there's a backlog in the cases and in the data. So we're just sitting but wait, here but wait they're saying they can have their fourth one this <laughs> before they've even given out like how do you go from two to four do you yeah, know i mean three? i think you all saw how uh, miffed miffed i was about that because listen wow. i have no problem with fourth doses 
But my problem is when you're pitching it as this cure-all, when you haven't even finished third doses yet, can we learn to walk before we run? And this is what irritates me when I feel like something is done for PR when when we're not – there's still a fire going on over here. Can we put that out first before we yeah. deal with the, 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 you know, the burning embers over there? Like what's, what, what so, is happening here? With your inside information, did Rod Phillips or his team ever explain the comment how an N95 no, and everyone so, having one will actually put people at more risk? No. So and like, I, I, I just, me, I'm blown away by this. Is there anyone watching no. or the ladies on the panel that it makes sense? We all yep. saw. We, and yeah. the thing is, what really upset. And I wish, I wish I could have been in that interview. I wish I could have been with Jackie Can, you know, Crandall's asking those questions because, you know, I, the main question should have been, well, hold on, what, what are you talking about? Explain yourself. Because his his rationale was, you're going, you're saying to do the opposite of what the chief medical health officer is saying, which which I think everyone roundly criticizes as terrible. And this is why people are asking for his resignation no differently than they asked for William's resignation. And may I remind everyone that the the flagrant violations of the precautionary principle by Williams, who knew the workers were going to home to the long-term care homes in the second wave sick. This is all documented and did nothing. So, you know, mass thousands of deaths. You knew it was happening. You knew they were sick. You admitted it to the the commissioners. (laughs) All of you knew, and you did nothing like offer paid sick days because that's what we were begging for so that they didn't go to work sick because you put these low-income earning women, many of which are are new to Canada, racialized women who are exploited as is. What are they supposed to do? They're they're just not going to get paid? You put them in a a lose-lose situation. And not just that they have to show up for work, but I hear from workers all the time that are like, well, if we don't go to work, who the hell is going to take care of the residents? Like, and they've developed relationships with them and they don't right. want to abandon the resident. You literally put them in a lose-lose situation because you didn't want to offer paid sick leave. Unbelievable. So, so your that energy, was what he was trying to say. Your I, energy I is <laughs> second. I, I love it. it. It's second to none. It's what's needed right now. It's what's needed all the time. Because honestly, if we're, we don't have the voice out there ourselves to call out these individuals, they, they're not hearing us as much as they're hearing you and that's why we're leaning on you right now but we're here we're here to support you you're not alone in this you're not on your own you actually have a bigger fan base that you're willing to uh support base than you're willing to even admit which is great because your humbleness on that end is completely admirable along with the ferocity at the other end and i thank you for that and i'm going to thank you many times because i don't know how else to say it to you other than your voice is on behalf of everybody and it's such a great voice it's an educated well-spoken powerful voice and we cannot um we can't do this alone and we're here to help you and we're, we're willing to give you whatever whatever you need now i i'm gonna let some of the panel ask the other thing i know your time is special right now dr viv and it is, I, I know you gave me kind of a window and i'm gonna try and use it as best i can before I can you go stay for a bit i can stay Good. for a bit Good. that's fantastic is there um, for people like us, the common individual that's either ha- uh, dealing with family members in long-term care facilities or that's working there, so families, friends, and staff, is there a whistleblower program out there in the province of Ontario <laughs> that's I'm legit? i at the chat, and they're so cute, the people in the chat. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, I do yeah. seem pissed. And yes, I am always like this because I love it. And you know, I wish I wish 
please trust me because when people know me outside of advocacy i'm laughing i'm very i'm i'm i love people i'm friendly as all hell but this is like serious stuff i can't not be upset when i hear from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of family members and i hear horror story after horror story and i'm very I'm very emotional. I'm a hot-blooded Greek woman and I'm, I'm an empath and I feel people's pain and I get very angry at injustice. And I've always been this way since I was a kid. And when I see people, vulnerable people in particular, being just, just wronged, wronged, I get, I, I can't, you can't, you can't, you can't shut my mouth. You can't, like, I'm sure they do not love me in the government right now. Um, Good, but, but that's but, why we um, love you. <laughs> that's it. We don't want them to love us. We need them to work for us. Yeah, I've never been in this game for friends. I've never, and I've never cared right. about. I don't need friends. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I, for me, it's just not about popularity. I don't give a, sh you know. Well, about there's a reason why I was very time. flattered and excited that you would join. It's because of this. This is who you are, and this is what we need, and this is what we love. And everyone agrees. I know it. And we're unfortunately, you end up. I'm going to skip ahead a bit. I had a question for you near the end, but I'm going to ask it now. I read something in your. I'm going to maybe say Chatelaine. I don't think it was one of your articles okay. that are out there. There's, there's so many, they mix up, but that says that you yourself are actually starting to become, you're hearing so many stories. You're dealing with so much grief and horror yeah. story and, and pain that, that you yourself suddenly start to struggle a bit. You, you, you need to have your bit. own, yeah. you need your own coping. <laughs> What are your coping yeah. me mechanisms, Dr. Vick? I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm honest. What are I your don't mechanisms? care about being honest. That first year, like, keep in mind, so my grand, I'm incredibly close with my grandparents. Like, I've always been, I've always been. My grandpa's my favorite person in the whole world, and my grandma was, and, and you know, and that was, so she died right before the pandemic. So I'm already grieving, and then we go into lockdown, and I'm like, I'm already trying to deal with this. And, and, you know, losing my mind about, you know, having lost her in, in a way that I'll never get over and I'll never forget. Um, and then the pandemic. And then I start talking to families and hearing their pain. And I I, I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep. I, I, I'll, I don't care admitting it. I had to go on antidepressants just to sleep because there were ones that help you sleep apparently. And, and I've never been on like consistent medication my, my whole life. And I, and I, I had to, I wasn't, I couldn't sleep. I would just wake up after an hour and I'm thinking about everything these families are telling me and the grief. And that like, when you hear people crying to you, you, you how do you not feel that? How do you not take that in? And these families were traumatized, traumatized. What they went through was like, I've never heard anything like this on the scale I was hearing. I, I didn't sleep. So for about eight months, that was my main coping mechanism. And then I uh. finally wanted to wean myself off of it because I don't feel comfortable generally being, and I don't judge anyone else, but I just wanted to get off them. I didn't want it to be something I was on forever. Um, and then, are you and alone then though, Dr. Viv? Are you alone yeah, in this fight? I, like, is it just, do you have a team? I mean, do you have a panel? No, have, I'm alone. It's, yes. It's and I, and tough. that's why. I mean, you're not alone, but you are families. alone. I know what you're saying. I have the families, but yeah, I right. don't. And it's funny when people reach out to me, like, like media people or, um, sometimes like we're podcast people, you know, you know me, but like, well, they'll be like, can I talk to your assistant? I'm like, do people think I have like a team? Like I'm like a nonprofit. Like I am, I'm just one loudmouth Greek woman who just cares a lot and, and, yeah. and, and has education in this area and can yeah. use those skills to speak about it. But like, you know, I don't, I don't have a team. This isn't my job. I have a full-time job. This is like, I'm juggling. This as like my side yeah volunteer hustle which i said you were a professor at the beginning i introduced you as a professor yeah. so on top of all yeah. this you're running this this high-end yeah. 
high stress career on top of the, the, the work you're doing outside of that. And I just, I think that was important for you to highlight that right now, because people need to see the other side of you, that you're not just this robot going through this, no feelings, no emotions. It's just a fight, fight, fight. Like you're human as well. And you're alone in this fight and you're fighting a huge, huge fight. And I, mean, I know that, know, right? Like I've talked to yeah. a lot of these families and, and like know. I've cried with a lot of them. Like I'm a, they know that it, and it's the sweetest thing is, is that the families are the ones that, that reach out to me and are, and they'll check in and be like, are you okay? Because I know you feel so much of this. And like, I, like one of you guys know, Joanne, Joanne Beggs, yeah. who I love, and she's dealing with so much yeah. hell right now, but yeah. I'll never forget a few months ago. She even said to me, she goes, I think, like I'm worried about you because I feel like you're taking on a lot of vicarious trauma. And, and I know that, and she knew, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, t- I tell people mm-hmm. I'm an open book. If you ask me if I'm struggling, I'll can tell you I'm struggling. Yeah. And, and this is what I have to do in the meantime to just to get through. Um, so, you know, like, and they're the ones that, that reach out to me and actually check in the, to see if I'm okay. Right. Like it's, it's this yeah. really sweet community of, of long-term care families and yeah. staffers too. And we've all, I know bonded. you know those people though. I know you know the, the the families do, but I want you to know that more than that is there too. And we, this is what this this pot. I hope it spreads beyond. It doesn't mean that you're using the system right now or that you're struggling with this. It needs to be everybody. We need to collectively get behind you, and that's what I really want to spread the message of today. That the support is there. I don't know what to do sometimes other than reach out and say, "Can we get your message out there even more?" But you're doing that by the hundreds. And I know all of us are trying to say, how can we get Dr. Viv the support she needs to keep being our voice that is actually being heard? They're hearing you. And they're not hearing me. They're not hearing MJ necessarily or or Marine or Leanne. Mm-hmm. They're hearing you. And we want to be there to give you whatever you need to help keep this going, but without sweet. your struggle. Well, you're very, very kind to me. You're, you're kinder than I could ever hope for. And, and honestly, the families are the ones that I do it for. Yeah. I was, you know, like I, there's always a, you know, I, I was a long-term care family. So I feel what you guys have been through and it, and I feel Is such there, a bond with them. I'm going to let uh, MJ have a, have a quick word because I promised them all at least yes, one please. word with you because we finally have... Super no, moonlighting here. It's I don't been very want you to, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want you to go just yet. So MJ, when you start talking about your feelings, it got darker. I thought I it was very dramatic. I ruined the mood. It got all dark. I'm like, geez, yeah, no, sorry. it's good. It's it's Shocker. all. Yeah, you've got all the energy with you. There's nothing left to light the room now. You've got it all inside. Um, MJ, do you have anything? Anything for Doctor V? I have something, and I may just end up talking into a question, but it's probably more. I think. As I started um, sort of connecting with people online and I started to hear the actual horror stories um, that families were going through, I th- my first thought was, I don't think the majority of Ontarians, let alone Canadians where it's happening elsewhere, have any idea that unless you have family that are going through that, yeah. that this is happening in yeah. long-term care homes here. Like I, I think if people knew that you're finding bugs here and feces there and people are left with food in their mouths choking on it and that people have been uh you know bed sheets tied through, tied through their wheelchairs so they can't move around the floor oh. uh in what they mm-hmm. call the veggie patch oh. if, if oh. they knew these things i can't believe that they would be yeah. okay with it and so the only thing that i have found myself is in frustration through this whole thing and i guess because i'm the mom of kids and we're going through covid with school 
frustration <laughs> is the need to make noise. And the only way I seem to have found was online because we can't really go anywhere easily yeah. to protest. Like it's all planned because of COVID protocols and all that. Right. So I find myself just constantly just going, ah, right. And so I'm first, like Brad has said, so grateful that your voice is as big as we, I think a lot of us feel it needs to be because we're just wanting to scream for these people. But also because we have the struggle I see is that we've got these immediate fires like all over the place. But, you know, the fires didn't start with this government as much as they are really, really at fault for a lot of the crap that's going on now and how it's getting worse. We know it's been ongoing for a long time, exacerbated and highlighted during COVID. And I'm with Maureen that I feel that like as we have to put these immediate things out. But there's also this other thing that we have to fix. So down the road, it doesn't keep going. And in in the next pa pandemic doesn't happen again, you know, that kind of thing. And so these the idea behind wanting to really get some federal national standards um, set. So no matter who's in power in your province, no matter who's in power right. at the federal level, that our long term care system or even the way we um, house seniors in their older years, maybe there's a whole revamp of even how we do long term care that it's the same and expected. It's always going to be upheld for the dignity of the elders in our communities. And I feel like it's a massive societal paradigm shift that we need where we are not okay with us aging and being treated like this. So what can we do and how do we get everyone engaged right. to fight that? I, um, you know? I, I can't emphasize that enough. The, the fact that we need, Oh, Okay, I that's the fantastic. Yeah, it was really dark. Yeah. Well, you had to so the, turn the this, light on. <laughs> yeah, we're, we have at least 10 more minutes then, ladies, so that we have the light back on. She doesn't have to go yet to go figure out. Um, yeah, right. yeah, MJ, I couldn't agree more. We need to support Dr. Viv and her, her message as much as we can. And that's what we're trying to do. And absolutely, I agree. What you said there was perfect, where we feel what she's saying. She's our voice mm -hmm. for every, the strength and, and the passion that we all have into this. Uh, Leanne. I know you've been waiting for this since when was our podcast? November. I don't. Yeah. Uh, and you, I promised you. So have uh, meet Dr. Viv and and uh, questions that you that you may have. Yeah, my probably my biggest worry or fear now that I have parents in my in their seventies, and now that we have this in our family, and now all of a sudden my family is saying, "Oh, because they do this." Oh. Is that you, you're having fun with this, are you? I'm like, this is this is not fun. This is an advocacy. It's not a hobby, right? Yeah. It's not a hobby. And now my mom is suddenly going, please don't put me there. Please don't. Please. And I'm like, I promise I won't. I. So anyway, my question is, besides screaming on Twitter, what else is there to do? Like we have the Ontario Health Coalition and we've done the things. Yeah. Like you guys have gone on and you guys have... Um, talked about what was the thing called i just had a brain thing bill 37 that one and mm. we watched all that and then that felt yeah. like it went nowhere and so is there even any power left and why and and maybe like mj said that maybe most people have no idea that this is not a nursing home that nurses per se don't take care of psws are fantastic they work hard what do we what do we always say um 
Conditions work. of conditions, conditions of, of work, work become the conditions, conditions of chance. Pat Armstrong, she's brilliant. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if we can't move that needle and yeah. we can't push, what are we to do? Yeah, I, honestly, at this point, my my best suggestion to families is just contact some lawyers. Um, at the, I don't know how else I, you, you try to appeal through reason. You try to appeal through the general. This is wrong. <laughs> well, please use your power, people in charge, to 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 fix this now. Because if you're not going to fix it now, after the worst long-term care humanitarian crisis in our in our entire existence. When, when are you going to do it? You're never going to do it. So we're trying to strike while the iron is hot, so to speak, but we're, we, we can't seem to get through. And that's why, you know, we had created a, a separate uh, Canadians for long-term care volunteer, vol you know, volunteer advocacy group to try to push uh, Trudeau, our prime minister, to do national standards, because you get to the point where you're like, well, if you have a provincial government that is not going to budge and is not going to listen to the experts and the clear evidence in this area for how to progress to a better system. We have to, we, we have to try to go above. Right. And, and that has been equally frustrating because we thought we had some, some, you know, momentum for a bit there. And, yeah. and the prime minister himself had, had, you know, floated the idea of criminal charges and national standards. So we struck and we, we started asking for meetings and we got those meetings and, and it just, so far has gone nowhere and we're just like how, how how you just sit there and you're like how is this happening how is this like the worst thing that has ever happened to you know older adults and persons with disabilities in congregate care bar none during covid the mass casualties and yet nothing has actually improved nothing nothing yeah, I nothing agree. I agree. I, it, it's mind-blowing to see just how captured this whole industry is and, and how you know, really, the, you, you follow the money. And I hear a lot of my tweeters say that follow the money, look at the conflicts of interest. It's and deep. I, it I don't know deep. how else to explain the lack of change in this sector, other than there are very powerful people who don't want it changed. And unfortunately, we live in Ontario, we live from election to election. So right now we're sitting there going, well, there might be change, but it's going to be in June, maybe. Maybe. And now we're going to wait till June, but June's going to be too late. And by the time they get in, and even if there was a new government formed in June, they're going to be another year getting their stuff. It's, it's, it's never ends. Yeah. This just keeps going. It, no one will address it today. And I can't believe there are no um, standards or enforcements. That's the, <laughs> the, the enforcements. I know. Um, any of us who have a job have somebody that's enforcing us and, and making sure that our job is done properly. And then you get but to this Bill high level. Bill 37 protected them even more so. Oh, very. The yeah. passing of that in the fastest push through I've ever seen yeah. that government do anything at that speed. Yeah. So undemocratic. And yeah. all it did was improve the chance that for profit will be protected. Yeah. Right. It and also made sure that, um, you know, the wording was such that they didn't have to follow through because the wordings, you know, the verbiage they used, and it really wasn't something people could hold them account to accountable for later, all that kind of thing. And, and it's that kind of stuff that um, I think deflates people's balloons. Um, yeah. But then, yeah. you know, like we all sort of take a breath or someone like Dr. Viv, Dr. Viv gets on again or another advocate gets on again and we go, okay, like it's, you still got to fight because they're still your family. There's still lots, Brad, as you know, in your line of work, there are a lot of people in those homes who have no one fighting yeah. for them. Yeah. Like those no are family the... member, nobody, right? Yeah. And uh, and we just have to kind of keep it going. Now, Maureen, did um, did you have, I think, Dr. Bibbs there? She oh, I'm here, up, yeah. So. 
Yeah, there you are. What happened there? Rookie might put <laughs> oh, you. But I guess M MJ just wanted the top center. I guess <laughs> yeah. there we go. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> and Maureen, you're coming up Mark. for a question here. So now you're right beside Doctor Viv on the screen, mm -hmm. and uh, feel free, Maureen, to ask, uh, ask or chat. Um, I chat with Doctor Vivian quite a bit, so I just want to sort of piggyback on the conversation that was started, and let's just go right to the person that can make these changes, and that's Rod Phillips. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was watching, um, <laughs> I was watching that press conference, and I uh, was so disappointed that media came on there and started asking questions about the money that Ford's offering for small businesses, like hello yeah. uh, we oh, are discussing really. long-term care here and then on top of that um to hear rod phillips say that like i, I listened to the entire thing and, and not at any point did andrea or anybody imply uh that they were doing anything unsafe for long-term care so the opposite you know i'm gonna just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just gonna the workers and the residents yeah. that's yeah. all we care about now, yeah, Doctor Bill. Um, it's not like he hasn't been accused of that in the past. But um, what I want to sort of go backwards a little bit, um, where we first met Rod Phillips and when he came onto the scene and he uh, took over hmm. from our good friend Marilee Fullerton, and um, he held a meeting with us and he looked us in the face on Zoom and you know told us all of these things that were going to be different now that he was in this posting and you know I, I, we have to admit vivian dr vivian was there like we walked away with a, a lot more hope than we had with the previous minister um but from a caregiver's lens we needed that because you know, we've been on the inside. We see how horrible it is. And I'm a photographer. And if I could go in there and break every rule and take tons of pictures, I think we could make changes. Like mm -hmm. to actually see and live what's going on in there, no matter how hard they try. And it's not the staff's fault, you know. And then for him to turn around and say something like that, I feel like he's just falling more and more and more off of our team um which he was presented himself that he was a part of and that he would have he even said he would have somebody in his office that would be a point of contact for caregivers and caregivers would be recognized and valued for what they do and and now no now these long-term care homes some of them are making up their own minds deciding to keep caregivers out even though it's a directive that we fought damn hard for and screamed a lot i know dr vivian was pretty hoarse about well, that's why i started families in. that's that's mm -hmm. what i was pushing exactly. for initially that was yeah. my main thing was oh no yeah. let them in <laughs> you know you and if this. we if we had a minister that was here's the rule you don't slide on it but you know these these homes are are just taking it upon themselves to shut families out again and we can't go back to that man i mean how many months four months i was i lost of my mom's last year of her life you know being locked out at christmas when you live something like that it's the same yeah. thing vivian said like you can't sit still and you can't keep quiet yeah but no. the fact that 
minister is allowing this to happen and the government is allowing this to happen and then we see them giving more and more money to them and extensions of licenses and stuff give me a break i agree this, these changes are time sensitive too we don't have years to now implement exactly. another now that being said dr vib or anybody out there is is there a country a nation a, a province a state whatever out there that has what we would call a better setup for long-term care, a more admirable model to follow so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We're not trying to invent anything. Yeah. Like, can we just yeah. adapt standards that are out there somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the Nordic countries, Denmark is a key example, right? So like they stopped building institutional facilities proper and they moved to like, you know, first of all, the most important part is that 90% is publicly administered. So it's like public health care. Um, and then around 30 years ago, they said, we're not going to build any of these big institutions. So they started building like smaller houses. So like you'd have like, you know, long-term care houses of like eight to 10 people. Right. And, and it felt like a home and they're like one floor, everyone has access to the outdoors, not like these big warehouses now right. where, you know, many people are on the third, fourth, fifth floor, you can't even open a window. Like it's horrifying. Right. Like, Everyone has yeah. their own little backyard you can access, you know, and and even we learned, you know, all the families know this. If any of the long term care residents right now had like a first floor, it was like prime real estate during COVID <laughs> because you could actually walk Go up to and the see window. your loved one. Like everyone else was completely screwed over that their loved ones were on like the second or third floor. People were taking like cars, backing it up and getting ladders and building like trying to climb the walls so they could see their loved ones. I mean, this is how terrible it was. So when you realize how, how you know, it could be done differently. And we've, and I've said this, I have many times I have gone over Nordic models, the fact that it must be public, the fact that you can move to more home care style models, but it has to be publicly available by, and provided by well-paid healthcare workers that are regulated and monitored and, and more akin to like what we see in hospitals. I mean, it's still getting, you know, degraded here, our hospital care, but I mean, we could do it better. And there's so mm -hmm. many more funding streams mm -hmm. we could do too to get more money. Like, I mean, Japan has long-term care insurance. We could do that. We should be having, mm -hmm. you know, we could have that separate to our existing, you know, Canada pension plan. We have a long-term care insurance plan. And then everyone has that money when they need it to do as they see fit. And they Agreed have the you. options, right? Like, so people say, oh, we don't have the money for this. We have to rely on for-profit. Bullsh, you do. You do not have to. There are ways you could do it. We have examples from other countries, but for some reason, nobody has the, the political courage to do the right thing and to think outside the box. They just hope that maybe the next government will figure it out or they don't have to do it. They can pass the hot potato as they have been doing for decades and they're all cowards when it comes down to it. And I don't care who I say this to every single one of them. I will come for every single one of them that sits there when they have the power and does nothing with it except reproduces the status quo, if not making it worse and aggravating it. And that's what I'm seeing now. And it gets me very upset for everyone right now that has power in elected office and isn't using it, is instead of sitting on their hands. You can't see me right now, but I'm sitting on my hands. And that's what really bothers me. If I had the power, I would have already burned right. the system to the ground and been halfway done rebuilding it. But and I your don't. power's climbing. Your power's Ooh, climbing, and, and, and we are there. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, we're only another voice, but every voice we can put out there. And what I vowed to the group here and to the to the OHC and to yourself is, if at the very least, I'm going to continue this discussion on a regular basis until at least this election. We need to keep this update. We need to keep you, everybody informed. We need to get the ball rolling, and I will offer whatever I can offer to support you, Dr. Viv. It's, it's out there. I just, some of us don't know, don't know how, what to do. I know we can support your voice, but we're, we're more than grateful for your, your time, you, your, your expertise and your strength 
the need for it has risen exponentially in this last year, like exponentially out of control. And if you put a shout out, I know people will be there to help and whatever you need. I, I think that's what we're kind of looking for at times is if you need a hand, if you're feeling overwhelmed, please, please I just <laughs> let you. us figure it out. Yeah. And I think you're that sweet. is the message. And it, it, and it's it's if we could be as powerful as you and have the voice you've established, we would. You and we, are. Because you we, all are. <laughs> I, uh, I, all I part think of my voice. You're, Trust me. Your time is, is so precious right now, and it just shows the need for it. You're, you're, you're in such demand. Like, I've been hearing you were doing multiple interviews a day, a week. Like, it's, it's unbelievable that, okay, well, then let's get Dr. Viv some support, and let's figure this out. We're here to listen. I know it won't be solved today. I know we're super grateful for you joining us. I know the panel watching, anybody who listens to this podcast after, we're all very, very appreciative, thankful, and grateful for having you here doing this for us and with us and for the families. So thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I, uh, I, I, I know I speak on behalf of the ladies that are on the screen Absolutely. and behalf of everybody listening right now. I know your time is precious. And if I could, I, I would honestly, we could do a six hour podcast right now and not even get through. I know. I, an hour flew by. So, I yeah. Know. And I, I, I don't want to, to scare you away from coming back. I hope one day we can chat again. And and I, uh, I'm i getting messages from the viewers thanking me, but it's thanking you. I, I'm just a voice. I'm just a message to bring your voice forward. Um, and I'm going to continue talking just for a bit here with the ladies. Once, once right, you I go, probably you beautiful ladies. Yes. Thank <laughs> you thank so you, much. Brad. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to one day, perhaps meeting you. I'm yes, not that far from you. I want to meet all these families. We all talk about this. We all want to meet. We want to have a huge party when this is all done and we can like at a big hall of all the long yeah. your family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we all talk about this. We are going to be so much fun to meet. Yeah. I hope, I hope. I hope this little bit can help. It's all we can it do does. is a little step every uh, along the way. And you as our, as our voice, as our leader in this is, is just, I wouldn't ask for anybody else. So thank, thank you. you. And thank we you. look forward to seeing you get some rest, going, get some rest. I don't know how I'm, I'm sure tired. you have a, I'm sure you have a lecture to prepare for or something, but I mean, just please uh, yeah. keep up the fight and let us know. However, yeah. you can do that. If we can help at all. Okay. Thank thanks, you very doctor. much, everyone. All thank right. You. Have a good evening. Bye. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that everybody, Whew, that, that was Dr. Viv. Yes. Unbelievable. Can I huh? just make a comment because I, I'm seeing some people here uh, yeah. that I just appreciate so much. And Christine sure. Cooper, she uh -huh. is uh, the leader of the resistance. There's, and, a, there's uh, a comment there. Such an awesome yes. group. And Lainey and Pete Massey, I don't know you, but um, thank you so much for all the comments. And there was another one, too, that was uh, PSW. There's and, been a whole uh, bunch, actually. It's quite a Rachel busy comment Kathleen. section. Here's, yeah. Uh, yeah. here's one here from, from Rachel that said that she, loves, so she loved her. And, and thanks to me. But honestly, I've always said this. This is just, I'm just a, a messenger here. And it was a privilege to be able to have Dr. Viv on, to be honest with you. Yes. And just as much of a privilege to have you ladies on because we still have some things to discuss. We still have some issues to bring up. And I think most importantly, we had a conversation um, Friday. So for whenever this is listened to, it was a, a few days ago now to prepare for this podcast. And I explained at that time that my drive comes from what I've seen, from what I've 
had to encounter in my world as a paramedic. And honestly, if you think about it, a lot of our, I hate to call it this, but this is how they teach it. It's a lot of our customers, a lot of our business, our patients are in long-term care facilities because it's just the nature of they need us more. The atrocities that I've seen, and I'm, and I'm not afraid to get this out there, and I know MJ and, and Leanne and Maureen, we, you're asking to bring some ideas forward, some thoughts forward. What I'm going to bring forward is I have on more than one occasion witnessed the movement of patients from long-term care facilities to hospitals with an ambulance, with an emergency vehicle, a fully staffed paramedic crew to the hospital for a simple staffing problem. And a lot of people don't understand that. So quite often there'll be um, a floor or a a group of patients in a long-term care facility that either have dementia or some sort of memory cognitive dysfunction. And generally they will be prone to not having much family or much support around. So these are kind of the loner ones with dementia. And then they are often easier to ship out. And that's the only term I can use to a hospital with an ambulance because, and what it comes down to, and I'm not afraid to say this, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to, is the staffing issues are so poor in those facilities that they need to offload one of their floor members for the day. And when I ask in person, why am I taking Mrs. Doe or Mrs. Smith or Mrs. Whoever, or Mr. Whoever, my answer is they're just not themselves. Well, here you have a person with Alzheimer's dementia, whatever it may be, who can't speak on their own behalf. I have no actual cause or just uh, no finding, but it's the law that if I'm requested to take them, that I take them. And I know this goes on and there's games like this that go on in our long-term care facilities all the time. And it's absolutely atrocious. And it's one of the things that infuriates me most, not only because of what we're doing to those individuals, those, they're not patients. I can't call them patients. They're residents Mm -hmm. uh, because they truly don't need anything most of the time. And they're occupying, and the system is now occupying an emergency vehicle and pulling it out of service. So it's one less vehicle available during that time. Anyway, that's my rant. Um, I have serious, um, I have an agenda behind this as far as what I've seen over the years. This isn't just benign to me. I'm not just bringing you on to have your say. I have a vested interest for sure. And I know that you've been at your rallies. You've shown me pictures of rallies and you've shown me pictures of the group of you working together and I, I want to support that as we are now. And that's, that's what I promised you in our pre-show chat was we're going to do this regularly. I don't know if it's every four weeks, every six weeks, every whatever to try and keep up to date, especially prior to this new, uh, to this election that's coming up in Ontario in June, Mm -hmm. we're going to keep the momentum rolling. We can't let this message get dropped. So thank you all for what you do. I don't know. The, the floor is open. If you have anything you'd like to add, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm going to look at some of the questions. I'm going to see if anybody, um, some of the questions were um, for Dr. Viv, who's now gone. Rachel put, uh, I love these ladies. And I put a heart behind it. Does everybody Thanks, know Rachel? Rachel? I have no idea who Rachel Thanks, is, but Rachel. she loves you. And I love it that, uh, the, that the, the, the acknowledgement is there. Um, I want you to all keep fighting your fight, obviously, uh, don't let off the gas and you don't need me to tell you that. And I encourage everybody out there to follow what they have, uh, what these ladies have on the screen is their actual social Twitter handles and you're, you're okay with people reaching out, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. I MJ, you a have tweet. a tweet. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Marie. I sent out a, a, a tweet um, a few days ago just, you know, saying we absolutely need to have, it, it's time for like a huge uprising. And I don't mean just those people that rant on Twitter every day. I mean, like the citizens of Ontario. And really, that's what I'm saying. Like if we can highlight the exposure of what truly happens inside of these homes and how horrible and the whole four profits, I don't have to go into it again because we know how horrible it is, but we have to, we have to get behind it, make sure we vote these people out number one, but you know, that we just keep it relevant, keep the stories relevant because once the numbers start going down from the Omicron, then the stories will not be as frequent and then it'll just slide in again. Like when we went into long-term care, it was pre-COVID and it was gross and it was disgusting. And I was appalled that I had to even leave my mom there and then COVID happened, da-da-da-da-da, the whole four profits. But, you know, there's only so many of us that are that are making noise, which I love MJ for because she's making some noise. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know MJ, I mean, like rolling, rolling protests in front of Rod Phillips' yeah. office, rolling right. protests in front of homes that are keeping families out. I don't mind showing up there. In fact, you can see my Twitter handle. DM me if you're a family that's being kept out and an essential caregiver that's being kept out of long-term care, give us a call because there's, or there's just no way we can continue putting up with this. Like it's so detrimental, like I said, for those inside and then MJ, you know, whose parents are on a waiting list. Yeah. How would, you know, that's like Mm. Just going it, down the, the the darkest hole you could imagine, and it's like, oh well. It's a horrible thing that time doesn't well. allow. There's too many topics for one discussion. There's too many topics for a month long discussion, it's and it's so simply big. disgusting anymore yeah. that it's yeah. come to that. I will say, COVID is probably one of the most horrific things that we're all dealing with right now. From from whatever level you take it, from whatever view you have, whatever stance you take. But it has, and I I tried to say this earlier, I'll say this delicately, it has had a plus for me in that it's opened the doors to these long-term care problems. It's unfortunate those doors need to be open. Uh, It's terrible. But COVID brought in the military that brought in the scathing report to Ford. And yes, he did nothing about it. Nothing. But it opened more. And then we've now we've gathered Dr. Viv. And now we have a panel of, of you powerful ladies and and other members who are are not even on the screen that join your cause and it's slowly rolling. And for that, I I couldn't have asked for a bigger voice for these concerns. And I know out there, uh, this comment was up earlier from one of the viewers named Pete. He says, I know all of these champs on Twitter. So not only are you Twitter members, you're actually champs. And I agree. You, you all have very, very, uh, knowledgeable backgrounds you don't speak gibberish you're not just whining you're not just comb- there's always a, a a strong message to be had and mj you you often have your make your noise campaign make some noise and this is one for anybody that doesn't follow mj right now in the social media where mj you put out the numbers of certain political individuals it could be usually this our premier and and our our, our rod phillips office and whoever else and and you say call 
call, make some noise. And you try and trigger everybody. And I think that's great because I know when I've called and then we, we, we message each other on Twitter and, and then you see how many other people are doing. And at least it's a voice. And I really don't know right now because those politicians have our hands so tied, but they can't tie our voice. And that's how we start. Truthfully, Brad, like, thank you for that. I, I absolutely, when this started, um, like I said, I was just sort of, everybody was really just like losing their marbles because they just couldn't make change because you couldn't go anywhere. And I truly, I think, ended up just feeling like that was a place where I could start saying, okay, you know what? Like, I'm going to start calling. The initial thing for me was the horror stories of long-term care. And then sort of simultaneously was my youngest ended up being um, in a group, an age group, when it came to vaccines for the kids between 12 and 17. And she was in a limbo kind of a group of months where she was turning, um, you know, 12 by the end of the uh, end of the year. And that left her in a really vulnerable position. I had followed as much of the research about the vaccine as I could. I felt and with along with my husband that it was a reasonable you know, risk to take, whatever your take is on our vaccines. My point being that it was through a ton of fellow parents out there where we started mm-hmm. using hashtags like kids in vax limbo. And we called the premier's office and we called Christine Elliott's office and we called and texted and emailed and da, 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 da for, it was months. I think I started in yeah. May and I ended up taking my daughter to a public health unit out in Sarnia. So, you know, three hour drive there yeah. and back to get her first dose. And by the time it got uh, for her second, Doug Ford, they realized they stopped public health units from doing it. And then two days later, because we went on a rampage and when you go on these rampages, what I know sounds so rampage, uh, but media picks up on it and enough that maybe that's how our voices get to the politicians, because whether we like it or not, the current government really hates noise. You know who else picked up on it Mm. was Rachel's grade five son's class do you see the comment and i think that I is that. so amazing so uh, you know that. fantastic awesome. i think you know what that's uh that just so shows your message started, is out there yes yeah, so by the time school started my daughter was back with her second one locally two weeks later school started so i felt like oh because you know oh with long-term care with anything not one decision we've made for our family members during COVID has ever felt 100 percent right no right like no. nothing no right no. you're always like oh should you i just hope whatever you just hope right so yeah. i guess i feel those days where we feel hopeless right we know we see people online saying often oh today's a rough day I really can't do it today I can't fight today and you're like you know mm-hmm. what we're all having those mm-hmm. yeah but i do see we're making impacts in little fits and starts. And so I guess because right now this is all I can do to offer, you know, some advocacy, um, I'll continue to do that. And honestly, I love all of you guys out there who do share my messages. (laughs) You kind of like, you appease me and you amplify whenever I ask. And I'm so grateful that you do it out there. You're awesome. And you always add your own little like in there. And, um, but changes will happen. It's painful with long-term care. I think that's a thing is you've got all these fantastic people like yourself, Brad, who've worked for 20 years, 30 years in these places, and they haven't seen any change. But like you said, Brad, it is a, exacerbated through COVID, it's way out there now. And I think along with your desire to maybe have um, these podcasts kind of continue at least up until June to see what impact we can make to get governments in there that potentially will do more for long-term care. Um, 
it's actually completely in line with something that Lainey, who I hope is watching, I don't know if she is, but she's another advocate, Lainey Tessier, and uh, she and I are working uh, with Natalie from the Ontario Health Coalition, who, by the way, is one of the fiercest voices oh. out there. Sweetest individual. If you ever get her on here, Brad, you'll that's have yourself. Who, that's who I'm going to allude to as we yeah. get closing in here. Uh, okay, um, good. Because she is uh, the sweetest person, but you get her speaking in front of a microphone and she will blast you with the data, with the facts, the data, her experience and what she's seen and what needs to happen and why it's not happening. And so with her guidance, Lainey and I are working on a social media blitz between now and June to keep the long-term care issue in front of people's, uh, in the forefront of people's minds so that we don't forget right? By the right. time we get there. And that, so I, I love that maybe your things might jive. With yeah. And that's, I, that's what I can offer. And that's yeah, what I said. I I, I've been privileged. This, this podcast network approached me. We talked about it. Okay. I, I agreed to bring a podcast forward, but all I am is a, is a messenger, a way to get that voice out. And I'm, I'm happy to support that way. And I'm happy Thank to you. bring my side of the story. I, I can tell you right now, pre COVID, if I had done a long-term care podcast, it, are you nuts? What are you talking? And so you're absolutely right. It's it's open those doors that were unfortunately needed to be open. And you you alluded to the Ontario Health uh, Coalition, and I know that when Le Leanne and I chatted initially, that's something that she joined in. And viewers at home who may be interested through Twitter, uh, through Twitter, yeah, want to reach out and Twitter. find out more. I recommend that you follow. I don't actually have the Ontario. Let me just double check here that I don't have the Ontario health care. It's just Ontario health coalition, health coalition. and I'll they have a Twitter it. handle. And, um, what we can do is say, if you're wanting to reach out, Leanne, explain your, your in involvement with them or well, what, how, what happened with your story? Just Twitter. Just one day I was follow. I think I follow, I found Maureen first. I think you were like my, my very, very first, like, Ooh, what's this? And then I just sort of through there, um, she put out uh, something that had said, anybody that's interested and wants to help, please contact. Um, so we did a DM and then we just join and Excellent. we go on meetings usually once a month and through zoom and we do what we can. I've been asked by some viewers in the chat comments here to put up your um, socials at the end. And I will also include the socials for the Ontario Health Coalition. So there it is there. Uh, it's at Ontario Health C. Ontario and Health have a capital. I'll, I'll get it up on my socials later after the show is kind of a note uh, to follow. Oh, there Christine it is. It I'm going to put it up right now because Christine's typing for I'm trying to do too many things. Christine, thank you. Christine. Helping me out. Uh, there it is little. there. At Ontario Health C. And there's another option for all of us to mm -hmm. kind of figure out if you're looking to help more, you want to see what's going on. And it's not just long-term care. Ontario Health Coalition has all the branches of our, our, of our, of our health mm -hmm. system in the province. So if there's something else that actually triggers um, your, your interest even more or along with long-term care, I encourage you to reach out. But that being said, uh, we've been almost an hour and 15, ladies, in a quick chat. Um, we did good. I hope uh, you were able to convey <laughs> some of the message that you want. Um, if if there's more that you want to say, absolutely have at her. I think we could. We're gonna come back with another show. That's a given. Do you Your mind names if I right there. Say you one more thing. Not at all. Oh. Do you want the whole screen? I can try and get music. I I've never done this. When you do the whole screen, it just makes me seem myself really big. I don't need that. Yeah. So okay, I'm that's what everybody sees too. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. 
we'll no, leave you alone me. then. We won't even put background music, but yeah. uh, oh no, yeah. do, do the do uh, the. I need the mood lighting like Dr. Viv had. Get yeah, you just know. shut your lights right off. Is, yeah. If, if we have a captive audience out there still, I don't know if they're still with us. But, yeah, I still um, show I think, a bunch of viewers. I think yeah. we've been doing it. I think um, it's it totally ties with Dr. Viv. It totally ties. I think Maureen, you'll tell like when we're thinking about. Um, you know, where we're going to be in however many years. And Brad, you talked about the aging population. And Leanne, you know, we've talked a bit about, you know, people with dementia and how many more people with dementia are going to be out there where we need people properly trained to deal with those people as well. All that kind of stuff. It's, um, you know, when we talk about even, we can't believe that people in Ontario or Canada, what they would no. think if they really knew what was going mm -hmm. on. I think as much as we can with your family members, start talking about it if you're not already. Even if they think it's a hobby, Leanne, mm -hmm. start talking about, hey, like it's not this impacts anymore. you. You may mm -hmm. be 40, you may be 50, you may be 60, but when you get up there, look at you're only one accident away from potentially being in there when you didn't plan it. I can tell you my parents did not plan to be this in the situation they're in. We didn't see any of it coming, nor all the challenges coming along. And you get a lot, some people who will say, oh, it's up to the family to keep them home. I can't, I would never send my family member to long term care. You must know mm -hmm. that I could guess almost no family wants their family member in long-term care if they knew that they could do something for and them. And I can vouch for that, MJ, in my job. Yeah. I show up to people's houses that that morning they were fine. And now they're no longer independent for whether a medical condition or a trauma right. or something. And it, it can happen in, in the blink of an eye. In so it's, it's something so that needs to, to be brought. Yeah, that's right. It needs to yeah, be enlightened. So it matters to yeah. you whether you think it matters to you or not. Right. And so do you want to live here? No, then get on the horn or, you know, cast your votes accordingly or with our best chance for someone who's going to make a difference. Something. Right. That's right. So just yeah. keep talking at least even off our social media. Yeah. Kind of so because there are I a lot of people to, not on social media who don't know this stuff, right? I want you to know that there's, um, like, I, I put up a comment there earlier by Army Chris, and uh, he's on the podcast oh, network. And Army this is Chris. like a hardened veteran that was a guest of mine on a pod a few weeks ago. And he's watching. So he's that demographic, and he's paying attention. And if Army Chris is there, and then I've just put up this from Andrew Visser, a fellow, he's on my shift. He's a fireman at home. Oh, he's watching this with his family. And it's not just... That everybody, everybody thinks there's a certain stigma with long-term care and their supporters and what they look like and who they are and that, but it, it's much broader than that. It's everybody. This long-term care issue affects absolutely everyone. And if you think you're immune, it could be a rude awakening one day. And I hope that you don't have to find out that way. Yeah. So yeah. I want to thank you ladies a lot. And I want to invite you back. And I want to uh, keep tell you to keep your heads up. Sometimes I know these fights feel like you cannot, you cannot win the fight ever, but you're making ground. It's a slow, it's a slow, uh, it's a slow battle, especially with these politicians that we're facing all the time. Do you know? Um, there's a comment here I'm going to bring up here. Um, I'm going to kind of close out with this before I give you any kind of last, last say that you want. But oh, as, as Lainey says, you, you women and Dr. V are so great. And the amount yes, of time and labor you invest in this is admirable. And I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great. Lainey's fantastic. Yeah. I met her, uh, it's almost two years ago now, I think. And she was on uh, a thing with us way back. And Excellent. Uh, she's resurfaced. There's some just incredible, incredible people out there on Twitter. So just. This guy here, you know, Greg Sullivan. Thanks for all the great work. That's everybody out there. And that, I know that's another fight. He's a, he retired off my shift. Not even, oh, yeah. I think we're at a year mark now, almost. 
And uh, I, I, I love that guy. I look up to him and he's listening. They're listening. You're starting to get your message out, ladies. Good. And to a, a lot more people than you may realize. So I hope, I hope that um, you continue on. And wow. I, I look forward to, to following more. I hope we don't need to meet you ever again. <laughs> that means it's done and we can go and meet about, I should preface that with other things. Yes. Other things. But I, uh, I hope that you have a, a better week and I hope you enjoyed talking to Dr. B. Absolutely. Awesome. And I I'm just going listened to, to her. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, 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 she, she is a powerful voice and a determined and fiery individual. And it's amazing to see. I, I, I'm going to close out now. I'm going to just kind of say my thanks here on the, on the screen. And thanks to all my viewers. Um, it's actually been a very successful mm -hmm. live podcast. We've had quite a few comments going. There's some chatter amongst the, the comments that, that weren't brought up to the screen. I've had Rook in the background there help me out. And it's been a great, uh, great addition to the podcast. But thank you so much, Leanne. I'm going to zoom you out. We'll chat in a minute. And Maureen, thank you. And last but certainly not least mj i just want to thank everybody for watching today the um the topic is heavy it's it's lengthy it's overwhelming but if we just kind of uh take it one bit at one bit at a time one one piece at a time we can slowly make some progress against this government that's been opposing us for so long fighting us and going against every kind of common sense issue uh, thought process that we have the fact that somebody would uh, in our office would say that uh, N95s are actually going to put put them at more workers at more risk of catching the virus just blows me away I, I just can't for those of you who missed or did join in with Dr. V I really really encourage you to follow her on Twitter this is actually a screenshot of her Twitter and I've learned that one of my guests today Maureen uh, took that picture and it's a fantastic picture. Maureen is also a photographer and she has an Instagram page. And everybody that's kind of curious as to her work, I would encourage you to follow along at uh, M McD Photography on Instagram. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank Dean Blundell and his network for supporting me and giving me this voice and this platform. And Rookie in the background, if you're still there, thank you for all your help today with the pod. It was great. This podcast, once we're done live, will be streamed up onto uh, the socials and onto the various platforms. You can listen to it on YouTube again if you want to hear it again. If anyone's looking, uh, you can watch it, actually, I'm sorry, on YouTube. The audio versions will be available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can also link in through deanblundell.com. I have my socials, uh, Offload Delay, for Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube channel, and a much, much lesser used Facebook um, account that I, I I wouldn't recommend going through that but if you if you do reach out I, I may find it eventually and also for anyone out there uh, I work closely with I've got your back 911.com this is more for our first responder side they offer services for all of us suffering mental health and suicide prevention um, all these it's a network of resources as well as a store and i encourage the store uh online store that has amazing merchandise available to the public and to everybody out there and the money goes right back into supporting mental health for first responders and i want to thank them for for working along and providing the service that they do 
that's it for today. Bit of a longer one, but a highly productive podcast. Thank you to everyone who's joined in. We will uh, get this streamed on the social soon, and we'll be back shortly with a new podcast. Again, stay safe and look out for those seniors. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.